Let's pray for Derek and ask God to bless the rest of his time. He's there for one more week and he'll be here. And I guarantee he will be testifying about this uh, within two weeks. Yes, I'll have him on the microphone in two weeks. So, Father, we thank you for Derek and the work that he's doing out there. We ask that you administer to him and minister through him today as they go to lay concrete at that woman's house who doesn't even have concrete. Lord, just to to stop the water from coming up and, and from mud to drag into her house, they're going to put concrete down. And we just ask that you would you would bless their time and that he would be a great um, prophet of you, Lord. Just ministering your truth to the people, that many would be touched by him for the rest of the time there. And that you would not waste any time, but he'd be focused. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, I pray for this group. If there are people here that need to get out of the country that you would press it on their hearts, that right now, Father, you would tap them on the heart and say, you need to go. And they would recognize they need to go, and that they would go in the name of you, King, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Give us wisdom, Father. All right. Well, without further ado, our brother Robert's going to come and share a quick uh, testimony slash Devo with us. And so... uh, Let's welcome Robert. Come on. Hello. Um, I'm going to be in First Peter 4. I'm not going to really teach from the word. I'm just going to read, and uh, I'm going to make reference to it later. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have fi- you are finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God and you will have and you have had enough of the past of the evil things that godly godless people enjoy their their immorality and lust their feasting and drunkenness their wildness and their wild parties and their terrible worship of idols I'm just going to skip down to the bottom cuz it's going to take a while um so the end of the world is is coming soon uh Therefore, where am I at? sorry. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love for love covers all multiples of sins. Cheerful, cheerfully share your home and those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given you each of you gifts of His great variety of spiritual gifts use them well serve one another do you have the gift of speaking then speak as though God himself were speaking through you do you have the gift of of helping others do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ and all glory in God to him forever and ever. Amen. Um, I just wanted to read from the text because that's the Word of God and we get to we get to have that. And um, Just in case you don't get anything from what I say, at least you got to hear, hear the Word of God. Um, I just... I haven't really ever shared my testimony with anybody and I just really felt like it was on my heart that I needed to share... So I'm going to share. It's kind of hard to sum up your life in a few minutes, but uh, I'm going to do my best to uh, just paint a picture of who I was. Uh, when I was in uh, junior high, I never really fit in anywhere. Uh, my The friends that I did have in elementary school started to get into uh, the local gang in my, my city, and uh, I just kind of followed after them. I remember my time in school was really, school was never hard, I just didn't really care about it. Uh, 
while I was in the gang, I just... I'm just going to... I just remember doing a lot of things that uh, I really wish I hadn't. It's just a lot of fights. Uh, I've been shot at more than one occasion. Uh, it's a lot of drinking, a lot of pot, girls, partying. Um, around my, my sophomore year, my my best friend in the, I knew, um, he got hit by a train and he was killed. And uh, I remember before, a few days before that, him talking to me. And uh, he was really strung out on speed, really going weeks without sleeping, really messed up. And he was telling me about uh, just his mom abusing him and physically abusing him, mentally abusing him. And uh, honestly, I really didn't know what to say to him. And even though he was my friend, I really honestly didn't care. And uh, I didn't say anything to him about it. And then a few days later, he got hit by the train. And... um, to this day, I really wonder if uh, if it was an accident or if he killed himself because he was really in that mindset the last time I talked to him. But I can't really say I wasn't there. Um, the next year of my life, I really just spent not really caring about anybody. I really closed myself off, really callous my heart. Uh, I remember my mom getting hurt at work at this time, and I just didn't really even care. I just looked at her, and I just really had no compassion. I remember my nieces trying to hug me, and I just pushed them away, um, just really working hard and not caring about anybody. And uh, as I went into junior year, my my mom came to me and said, "You have to, you have to graduate high school." And I've always been, even though I was in the place where I wasn't really caring, I always been kind of a mama's boy. I kind of did what my mom wanted me to do. And uh, so I I transferred to another school, and I did basically four years of high school and and two years. After I graduated from high school, my mom uh, offered to pay for me to go to college and kind of really looked at it as not having to go to work. So I went to college. And uh, while I was in college, I I made a friend. Um, I call him my friend because he's really my friend now. But at the time, I really judged people on what they could give me. What what, what do you have that that would make me even want to be around you? And... uh, he really taught me uh, how to use a computer, stuff like that. Uh, he was a computer hacker. He taught me how to hack. Uh, during this time, I was just uh, pretty much stealing whatever I wanted, software, movies, video games, anything. Anything digital was mine. Um, pretty. After a while... Um, of hanging around with him, he just, one day he he made me take this test online, I didn't really know what it was, and I took this test online and it turned out to be um, an IQ test, and uh, I scored really high, and uh, I'm not saying it to boast in, in my knowledge, I'm just saying, uh, because he, after I took the test, he goes, you see that? He goes, that's why you're autistic, and I said to him, what? What are you talking about? See, I had gone all this time, and I didn't even know I had these autistic tendencies. I always could do the schoolwork, but when I was in the classroom, it was really hard. It was really hard for me to be around people, really hard for me to be in a room like this with a lot of people. Even speaking at this mic was absolutely impossible. I wouldn't have been able to do it. And uh, I just, I really speak about that because I want to, um, I'll finish that story later. Um Around this time, I met this this girl. Uh, she just wanted help with her homework, but uh, she was really pretty girl. Um, she was one of those girls when you walk in the world in the room, you're just like, dang. And uh, I just uh, I think I only really helped her with her with her homework because you know she was that kind of girl. And uh, after a while, she she kind of pushed for a relationship. She asked me out on a date. And uh, we were dating for a little while. She was the kind of girl who liked to go to parties, do um, drink a lot, do like club drugs. Um, and uh, just after a few months, just one day, she started talking to me about Jesus. And uh, I was like, what? it was like a completely different girl. She just started talking to me about Jesus and really witnessing to me. She talked me into going to church. She talked me to go into day seven. That's the night service at my church, Harvest Christian Fellowship. And... Uh, 
I, I remember Steve speaking, and it really convicted me. I really had hearing the gospel in a different way. I'd gone to a Catholic church and never really got anything from it. And uh, just him really speaking about the love of Jesus. And uh, I remember thinking I wanted to, to go up at the altar call, but I didn't want to be halfway. And I went home, and uh, I thought about it for the, uh, the next week, and I told the girl, I want to go back to church. And I went back to church, and I gave my life to Christ. And... Uh, My life has just never been the same. I mean, uh, the Lord has delivered me from so many things. I mean, uh, just the autistic, a lot of the traits are gone. I'm here talking to you. Um, I think if you ask Josh, when I first came to the to the upper room, I was, I was so afraid to come in the room. I would have to pray before I came in the room just for the Lord to give me strength to go in the room, and I would leave right after study so I wouldn't have to be in that room with all those people. Um, he's really just blessed me in a lot of ways, really changed my life, really, I always tell people the Lord gave me my heart back, and uh, he really has, really, one of the, the gifts he's given me is the gift of mercy, and I really can see when somebody's hurting, I can really tell when somebody needs prayer, and um, I try to do my best to step out and, and pray for those people and, and talk to those people, and uh, the point I'm trying to make uh, is this, is that there's a lot of way to live this life, but there's no better life than a life following Jesus Christ. And you should, um, like the text said, if you have any gifts, if he's given you any gifts, you need to be using them to, to minister to people, to love each other. Be, you know, if you have the gift of speaking, you need to stand up and speak. And um, all those other gifts, they're just as important as the gift of speaking. You need to be doing those also. And um, just one more thing, the... Probably the main reason I'm up here is uh, anything in life that I had before I came to Lord, any kind of gift I had, any kind of knowledge I have, I, I used to further my life. I, lived, I used to further Robert's life. And as I grow in the Lord and I start getting more responsibilities and I get more people to minister to, I, I, I really fear the um, Robert using those gifts for Robert. And I just want to say that... Um, I want to say it for me, I want to say it just in public here, is that if I've ministered to you in any way, if I've blessed you, if the Lord has, excuse me, if the Lord has used me to bless you in any way, if he's used me to pray for you, to minister to you, to give you a word, even speaking from the mic here, then I pray that uh, all power and all glory would be to God. Amen? Amen. And I just want to do a quick prayer. Um, Father, I just... Uh, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for taking me out of the world, Lord. I thank you for giving me exactly what I needed to uh, just to come to you, Lord. And I thank you for all the blessings that you have given me, Lord. And I pray that, uh, man, Lord, if there's just anything you need me to do, Lord, just let me know. And I, I pray that uh, all power and glory would go to you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, and I love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, nah? Jeez. Love. Testimonies. Testify. Testify. It's, uh, there's a song, man, all about testifying. And uh, I'd love to rap it for you, but I don't have the time. Testify. But you know, uh, yeah, I'm so blessed, man. Robert. You have no clue. I mean, the leaps and bounds that he has made in Christ Jesus. Hey, when the sun sets free, that man is free indeed. Uh, when the sun sets free, that person is free indeed. And uh, yeah, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Robert actually, I mean, he, he was faithful to come to church for I don't know how long, but it was a long time just solo. He was faithful week after week after week after week after week. I mean, I don't know how long it was. Until uh, one of the brothers came up, introduced himself, and then Jeremy got to know him, one of my best friends, and then I got to know Robert. And uh, he does all the website. All the website that you're going to go on and listen to those messages, Robert does all that stuff. He sets this up for I mean, the guy's doing stuff nonstop for the ministry and nonstop for God. And just like you said, he, is, he recognizes, that's crucial, he recognizes that God has given him gifts, but it's no longer for Robert Ravella's. The gifts are for Father. The gifts are for the King. 
and um, I recognize it within my own life as well. Um, it's the best way to stay humble is rec- recognize that you don't have anything that God hasn't given to you. Everything you have is what? From the King. And so for you to use it for your own glory, crazy. You're crazy. It's just going to cause pride and selfishness to take root in your heart. And um, so it's awesome and it's a powerful thing to continue to give away your giftings. And um, I just love the the... I love using my giftings and my things, my, the things that God's given me for His glory. Um, one is manipulating people. And uh, if you can't tell already, um, that just even through public speaking or for talking one-on-one, it's like I just use what God has given to me to sway the masses towards Him, towards His face, and away from sin, away from the enemy. For that is what will give you life. But um, I very, at the same way, I used to easily sway people into danger and destruction, believe it or not. And I'm so happy that God saved me at a young age because I really believe that if I wasn't walking with God, that I would be dead passionate about tearing down Christians and mocking them to their face and laughing laughing at them and making jokes and doing whatever I can to rise above it and to put down and to stomp. I'm so thankful that Father saved me. Wouldn't it be disgusting and and just sad if I was a fool for the rest of my life, not seeing the truth, but mocking God in His kingdom? It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing when the people turn away from the living God. And that's what we get to look at tonight, um, is a nation that has turned from God and will actually be placed into slavery and will be put into judgment because of their turning away from God. We'll be in the book of Isaiah tonight, starting um, right here at the beginning. We're actually in Isaiah chapter 4 tonight, if you've been reading day by day. But um, I'm not going to be in chapter 4, because the first four chapters are, hey, they almost build on one another. And it would almost be impossible. There's only six verses in chapter 4. You're just like, dang it, man. I thought he was going to teach only six verses. No, um... I really want to lay a foundation for this book because guess how many chapters there is in this book? 66, yes. They say that the book of Isaiah is the mini Bible, believe it or not. Mini Bible. You want to know why? Because there are 39 books in the Old Testament and the rest, 27, are in the New Testament. Okay? 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. Okay? Now check this out. The Old Testament is what? The law. And the New Testament is almost the grace and the mercy and the love of God. Now the first 39 chapters of Isaiah is guess what? The law. Judgment coming down on you. Guess what the last 27 chapters are? Love, grace, and mercy. It is the mini Bible. It is amazing how it parallels the big book. The book of books. And so um, I just want to lay a little foundation of what's happening here with this prophet. I want to, you know, I'll I'll give you this foundation. Isaiah, he is what? A prophet, right? The Bible is broken up into sections. If you didn't know, in the Old Testament, you have the law. You have the law first, then you have the history, kind of um, historical things that happen within Israel, an overview of all that happens with the kings and judges and the ruling and reigning and all the above. Then you have what? Poetry. You have the Psalms. You have the Proverbs. You have uh, Song of Solomon, which we were in last week. You have Ecclesiastes. And then you have what? The Prophets. Kind of a zoom in on the Prophets and what these guys were doing. Now, every single one of the Prophets actually insert to the time of history over the kings and the judges. These guys were walking around. During the time of David, who was, who was a prophet there in David's time? Nathan, do you remember? He rebuked him straight to his face. So there are prophets walking around during the times of the kings. And we will see Isaiah walking around as we read the first verse. Who was there in his time? Um, So Isaiah is a prophet and he is coming to the nation of Israel. And the kingdom is broken up into two parts. Israel and Judah. Or Jerusalem and Judah. They go back and forth. Um, It is broken up into two sections if you didn't know. A little bit of history on Israel. They, uh, they broke fellowship there. They basically separated. Two kingdoms were established in Israel there during the time. I don't have time to really get into it. But Isaiah is coming and proclaiming the truth and actually proclaiming judgment 
upon the nation. Because why? They have turned their face from God. And is it not a perfect time to be diving into this book as what our nation is doing what? Just that turning away from the living God. And I could see Isaiah the prophet. I will try to mimic him and be him tonight. But to preach to the nations, to let them know what's going to happen as they turn their face from God. What kind of judgment will come upon us if we do turn our face from God? That is exactly what the first 39 chapters will be about. And as well as a prophet telling the truth, what does a prophet do? He tells the truth. He tells the Word of God. But at the same time, he tells the future. He prophesies. And so we'll see that in the book as well. Prophecy taking place. I don't know how much I will really spend time in last day stuff because, hey, it's just a little shaky. I don't know if I can be dogmatic about it. I'll probably mention things here and there, give opinion on certain things, but hey, I don't want to speak about things in the Word that I cannot be sure about. If I don't know, I'm going to tell you I don't know. I'm not going to try to work things out and try to explain something and lie to you. Act like I know. So I just want to read a quick insert from one of the commentators that I was um, reading from just to give you a, a, a little foundation of who this guy Isaiah is and what the book is about. It says... As is the case of most of the prophets, we don't know much about Isaiah's life because the focus was on his message, okay? We do know, however, that he lived in Jerusalem and he was married and that he had at least two sons. Interesting, a prophet that was married and had two sons. We also know from chapter 20 that his ministry was not an easy one. Check this out. For he was told to walk around Judah for three years without shoes and without clothes. Yeah. Walked around for three years, stark naked. <laughs> Talk about getting people's attention, huh? <laughs> I come in the name of God. You know, he's naked. It's like, whoa, <laughs> what are you doing, man? Jewish tradition tells us that Isaiah's father was King Uzziah's brother. We know that Isaiah's freak. Uh, I'm sorry. It's close to the number. It looks like it's typed out wrong. I sorry, I tried to copy this, but anyways, he was Hezekiah. He and Hezekiah were good friends, so it is very possible that he was of royal seed. Jewish tradition also tells us that he was sawn in half by King Manasseh. Did you hear that? This prophet was sawn in half. If you look at all the disciples, minus Judas, they were killed for their faith. John tried to be put in a Pot of boiling oil, yes, tradition tells us, and he did not die. So they banned him to the island of Patmos. Hebrew 11, Hebrews 11 talks about those who were sawn asunder for their faith in a reference. Because it's a reference, many believe it is directed towards Isaiah. And um, just as I mentioned, this Bible, or this this book here is, is a mini Bible. You know, it's got the the books and the the chapters, just as the books of the Bible are. And um, let me see if there's one other thing here. I'm just going to stop there, and we're going to move on. I don't want to get into the rest of that. But we have a we have a little bit of idea of who this guy is. Okay, as far as his character, I mean, it's got to be hard to be a prophet, don't you agree? You've got to walk into a nation and tell them all the things they're doing wrong. Who'd like to do that? How many of you like to tell your friends when they're doing something wrong? Hmm. How many of you like to look uh, anyone in the face and tell them they've done wrong? Uh, not me. That's a hard task, isn't it? How many of you even like to tell somebody when they have something in their teeth? Yeah, and you're going to tell them the things that are going on wrong? They have a little cliffy just hanging there in their nose. You don't want to point that out. They got a bad hair day, and you don't want to tell them because it really is. It's like, dang. Hey, see, it's like it's not easy being a prophet. Prophet goes into a nation and tells it how it is. And you know what? It's not easy preaching. I hope you know. It's not easy preaching the truth. I wish I could come in here and teach that Lottie da happy message every week, but I can't. I got to teach what the Word of God says. And there are a lot of preachers in this day that just want to teach the happy message. God loves you. You're going to heaven. God wants to prosper you. Give you wealth, health, and, I don't know, prosperity. It's like, 
but they don't talk about the other half of the Bible. The fact that God will bring judgment upon those that reject Him. Yeah, it's bad news. It's the truth. I mean, it's a sad day. If I mean, you, I walked out to your car and the thing was broke down. I told you, man, I just washed your car and it's running great. Go for it. The thing is spotless and perfectly clean. You should go and sit in it and tell you the news that when you're going to turn that thing over, it doesn't run. It doesn't start. It's not going to go anywhere. you got a clean car, but it doesn't run. That's what a lot of preachers are doing in this day, but Isaiah, he does not hold back. He tells the truth. And so we're going to dive right in. I want to look at chapter 1 today. That's, that's all we're going to do is just touch on chapter 1, okay? I don't think we have the time, nor do you have the patience for me to go through four chapters, which I would love to do, and yeah, we'd be here for the next couple hours. But um, we will just start here in chapter 1 of Isaiah as he starts to speak to the nation the words of God. Are you ready? All right, here we go. The vision, verse 1 of chapter 1 of Isaiah, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amoz, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah and Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So here's the time period, okay? He says this, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Stop there. Okay, when a prophet says something like, Thus saith the Lord, or give your ears, listen up, God is about to speak. Hey, we better listen up. God has something to say. Now, I want you to be careful to people in this day who say, Thus saith the Lord. Careful. Hey, I was raised in a Pentecostal church. And I know many times people like to speak for God and say things in the name of God. They go, Really? And I just believed it. Because why should I question their authority? I didn't know any better. They didn't teach me that. But what I've seen many times since um, God has given me wisdom with a prophet is this. If someone says something in the name of the Lord and it does not happen, Deuteronomy says to stone them. Now, don't pick up rocks, please. Put them down. But listen. If someone is saying, thus saith the Lord, and it doesn't happen, they are not a prophet of God. They have disqualified themselves like that. You do not say, thus saith the Lord, and God is not speaking through you, and that thing does not come true. There are many heretics in this day who say it on TV all the time. They say things, thus saith the Lord, and these things do not come to pass. They are not prophets of God. They are false prophets. And you are to be very careful when someone walks up to you and says, it is the will of God for you to marry this person. Huh? How do you know it's the will of God for me to marry somebody? Well, God told me. Oh, really? Why should I trust you? What authority do you have under heaven that I should trust you? Are you a prophet of God? You know what? I'm going to try as hard as I can not to marry that person. And if it doesn't happen, you will be a false prophet. And by me trying as hard as I can not to marry that person, if it does happen, then I guess you're a prophet of God. Be very careful. And, and I would dare you to warn people in the church today who dare to say something in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of our God, that does not line up with the Word. You're in danger. You're speaking for God, man. It's like, what if I spoke for you? I say, hey, hey Tyler just told me and I'm talking. What's your name, man? What's your name? Michael, Michael. But I was talking to Tyler, and, and, and Tyler told me something about somebody, you know, maybe his brother, or maybe about himself. And then I go and I tell Michael over here something completely different, and I say, Tyler said it. I say, you know what, hey, Tyler said this about so-and-so. He'd be ticked that I said something that he didn't say. I have just gossiped and miscommunicated information about him and for him. And so God forbid that a person stand up. You, you're in big trouble. You say something that God didn't say? This has changed my way of teaching. Changed me. Flipped me upside down. John MacArthur, one of the greatest Bible teachers of our time, said this. Don't you dare say something that God isn't saying in the Bible. And don't you dare say some, not say something that He is saying. So if I get to a passage and I don't want to say something because I don't want to say it and I'm scared to, big trouble. Because His Word is testifying it clearly. And if I get to a passage 
and I fill in the text and say something that God isn't saying in his text, big trouble. The Bible says specifically that teachers will be judged greater than all of these because they are speaking in the name of God. And so, Isaiah the prophet is speaking the word of the Lord, and I just want you to be careful when someone walks up to you and says, God said this. I had a friend, uh, not a friend, a friend who had a friend because he died. Guess what happened? Somebody walked up to him and said, God has healed you of this disease. Don't take your medicine anymore. So guess what? He didn't take his medicine anymore, and guess what? He died. He died on his bed saying that God has healed me because somebody told me God healed me. I'm not going to take my medicine. He died. That's sad. The means that God has used to heal you is medicine. If you've got a stomach ache, you probably need to eat something. I'm not going to eat. Okay. You fool. Don't be pulled away or dragged away by someone who walks up and tells you in the face, thus saith the Lord, or tells you anything like that. You align it with the Word of God first. But Isaiah starts to speak to them, and he says, I have nourished, verse 2, you see that? For the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. He's speaking about Israel. He's speaking about the nation Israel. I have, I have nourished them as a mother nourishes a child. I have raised these kids. And they have turned from me completely. It is a complete parallel of America, is it not? Has God not brought this nation up? Look at the prosperity that we have. We have been founded on Christian principles, believe it or not. Yes. Liberty and justice for all. What religion teaches that? Hmm. This nation has prospered because of the hand of God. And we as a nation have done what? Turned our face from the living God. What a sad day it is. We have been nourished by the king, and we have now rebelled against him. And watch. Watch what he goes on to say. Verse 3, The ox knoweth his owner, and the donkey, the ass, his master's crib. But Israel doth not know my people, does not consider. A sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. They have gone away backward. They have backslidden. They are walking away from God. Which nation in the world, if there was any, is a Christian nation? Any Anyone in the world? America would be the only, the closest... We can't say China, even though there is a huge underground church there, because they're a communist country. But there are many Christian principles still at hand here in America. If there is any nation on the world that fears God, it would be this one. It's the only one. One nation under God, indivisible. If you go in the courtroom, what do you put your hand on? The Bible. What does it say on our money? In God we trust. Okay? If there is any nation that fears God, it is ours, but we have turned away from our God. And this is very, very dangerous. We have gone backwards. Look at verse 5. Why should ye be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it. By wounds and bruises... By, uh, I don't know what this word is. I've never seen it before. Yeah, putrefying. It's, I think it's a form of purifying. Uh, sores or putrefying. Anyways, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither uh, mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence, and it is desolate, is overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in the vineyard, as a lodge in the garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts hath left unto us a very small remnant. We should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Wow. He speaks in such a way about this nation turning from God. Such crude language. 
such specifics. This speaking about turning and these sores being broken open, all these things happening to a people that turn from God, almost warning and saying, what are you guys doing? Are you crazy to turn from the living God who breathes life into a man? How could you possibly turn your face? Do you know that God's hand is looking down and God's eyes are looking down on who? It is the church who God is looking to for righteousness. He's not looking to the nation of wickedness. Do you know that God will judge this nation based upon the Christians, not upon the rest of the world? He is looking at you, family. Listen to me. This is important. I question and I wonder in my heart whether or not God is bringing judgment on a country. I think He is. I was talking with my tax guy just last week. And he says he truly believes that God's going to hit us in the place that we think we are the strongest. In our money. In our success. It will fall. And I truly believe that the reason why God, if He even if He is judging this nation, if He's going to begin to judge it, you want to know why? It is because the Christian is because His people turn their face from Him. It's not because of any other reason. It is because His people are not rising up and standing for righteousness and holiness in this nation. That's whose fault it is. God says, if my people who are called by my name, my people, my name, would humble themselves, pray, I will heal their land. And when God calls somebody out, who does he call out? In the Bible, who does he call out every single time over and over? When someone turns from him, it's who? It's Israel. Always calling out his people. Hey, listen to this. If God sent Israel, his own people, into slavery, do you not think that he will send us? Do you think that we are immune to that? We are His people and we are turning our face from Him. This whole book is directed towards a people telling them that judgment is about to come if you do not turn back to God. And because of this book, there's actual prosperity and, and, and revival for about 130 years. But then they are turned over to slavery. Our nation hasn't been around that long. And we have had much prosperity. But man, something is starting to happen, and I even see it in people's eyes. I hear it in the business owners. I hear it like, like I've never heard before. Judgment may come upon us because we do not turn to God. He is calling out to us. We will become just like Sodom and Gomorrah. That's exactly what is happening to this nation. Look at verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Did you hear that? Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. He's calling them that. Give ear unto the law of God, you people of Gomorrah. Look at this. This is like calling it, like if I said to the Christian world, Hey, you Christians, you people of wickedness, you Christian nation, that gives the finger to God and walks away. Yeah, I'm talking to you. He refers to them as Sodom and Gomorrah. Probably one of the most wicked cities to ever be on the earth. Remember? God brought fire down from heaven and obliterated the whole place because it was so wicked and so disgusting. This is what he calls them. He says, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? saith the Lord. I am full of the burnt offerings of the rams and the fat of the beasts. I delight not in the blood of the bull or of the lamb or of the goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this at your hand to treat my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity. Even the solemn meeting your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hateth they are a trouble unto me i am weary to bear them and when they spread forth your hands i will hide my eyes from you yea when you make many prayers i will not hear your hands are full of blood do you hear that 
This is what he's saying to Israel. He's like, look, hey, hey, Israel, you know how I told you guys to bring the bulls and the offerings and all that stuff? Yeah, that stuff doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Okay? And it's almost like this, to be saying to the Christian church today, you know how you guys come in and you lift your hands unto God? You know you come and you even tithe and you bring your offerings into the church? You know how you come and, 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 and you do nice things for people and all this in and, 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 and the church? That means nothing to me, nothing, zero, because your hearts are not turned towards me. It's all fluff on the outside. And did you know that your heart can be even in the same place? Do you know that there are preachers here in this day who walk in sin, yet step on the pulpit and decide to preach and try to do these great works before the people, yet their lives are not even turned towards God. Their hearts are not even turned towards God. Did you know that you could walk into a church week in and week out? I go to church twice a week. I even go to Tuesday night Bible study here at the coffee shop. I'm faithful. I give tithes. Hey, I lift my hands when I, when I worship. Is your heart turned towards God? Why well, go and help out at the car wash? And I help out in the children's ministry. Is your heart turned towards God? Because He is saying here to this nation, I don't care. Your little cool works that you're doing, that doesn't mean anything to me. Because your heart is far from me. Isn't that the saddest day? When someone could work so hard, yet their heart is not even turned towards God. God forbid, are you reading your word daily, but your heart is not turned towards God? You're wasting your time. Well, i got to read my word because that's what I do every day. Wait a minute. You're wasting your time. Are you lifting hands to worship God, yet there is sin in your life? How does that work? You praise God in the sanctuary, yet you sin outside of it. What, do you think your sin does not come into the sanctuary? You see, God is ticked at this nation because they are mocking Him. They are laughing at Him when He has prospered them and blessed them so much. And that is who the Church of America is today. You know what we are known for, family? Being hypocrites. Why aren't we known for love? Why aren't we known for reaching out in a powerful way? Why aren't we known for purity and holiness? Why is the divorce rate the same as the world? Why are there pastors molesting kids? This is sick. And I could see our nation going fitting right here perfectly in the Bible. Here you go. There's America and the Americanites. They were turned towards me at one time, but now their face, they don't turn towards me anymore. One last thing. You've got to understand this. Because revival will never happen in your heart until you do. Look, I've been having revival in my heart for a long time. It's just one day after another. Walking with God, being set free, being lit up, and lighting other people on fire everywhere that you go. Walking in His presence. I'm telling you the secret to do that is you must run from sin. You must wash your hands of this and be repented towards God all the time. Did you know that you could repent of your sin but not repent towards God? You say, okay, I'm not going to sin anymore. But you have done nothing in the positive. You've done nothing to chase after God. To turn your heart towards Him. And so what am I, what, what am I saying? I'm saying this. That we as a people, even here tonight, if you so desire to see great change in our nation, or great change in your family, you have got, to have your heart turned towards God every single day for the rest of your life. And it's got to start now. And it's got to be powerful. So that reading the Word is not in vain. So that going to church and lifting your hands is not in vain. So that laying offerings before God is not in vain. It is the church's fault. It is the church's fault if America falls. It is on our shoulders because we once called ourselves a Christian nation and we have rejected the living God and everything that will happen that any nation that has rejected the living God in the Word. As it happened there, it will happen here.
Look at verse 16. Wash you. Here he is, man. He gives the call to repentance. Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Cease to do evil. You know what? Listen, guys. When you repent of sin, when you turn to God, lay things at God's feet and say, man, I never want to do this again. I want to get as far away from this as I can and do whatever it takes to get away from it. That's true repentance. A guy who's looking at pornography, well, guess what? He will go to the furthest extent to stop himself. He will get an accountability partner. I have a couple guys that... that uh, are signed up with some website where it actually shoots me all the websites that they look at uh, every week. And if they look at anything that is even questionable, it will shoot me and answer uh, uh, the website that they went and looked at. And they'll be called out instantly, man. It's like it, it tells me right there on the spot. It's power. They will have accountability. If the girl has a problem with gossip, she'll tell her friends. I have a problem with this. Will you call me out the next time I start talking like this? If you have a problem, you will go to the furthest extent to wash yourself and to cease from doing evil. Do you understand? That's not what America is doing. America is doing this. God, forgive me. And then they go right back to sin. God, forgive me. Go right back to sin. God, forgive me. What is that? It's like you walk up, slap me in the face and say, forgive me, Josh. Slap me again. Forgive me, Josh. Slap me again. Please forgive me, Josh. Slap me again. Forgive me, Josh. You want me to forgive you five more times, huh? Do. You don't come slap me in the face and then beg for forgiveness and weep at my feet and say, I'm so sorry for what I've done. And I want to get as far away from that as I can. I really genuinely do not want to go there ever again. To cease from evil. Do you understand what it means? It says and then verse 17, to learn to do well, to seek judgment, to relieve the oppressed, to judge the fatherless, to plead for the widow. Do you see that? Not only to turn from the lifestyle, but then to turn towards God. And then verse 18, you know this one. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Did you hear that? Clear as day. Clear. It says, look, if you choose to wash yourselves and to be clean before God, then what? The judgment will not fall upon the nation. But if you choose to walk in your own ways... Guess what's going to happen? You're going to fall. Stay with me, please. This is a crucial message. It's not a fun one. But it's the word of the Lord for our nation. And it is a word that I hope would, would be instilled in each one of your hearts. That you would be the prophet Isaiah and that you would proclaim it not only to yourself but to the people around you. That you'd recognize the burden that the church has to carry. And that you would start moving forward in it. There would be true repentance of sin. Gosh. Let's move on. How has the faithful city become a harlot? Did you see that? Did you see that? It's almost like saying this. How is that pure, beautiful virgin become a prostitute how's the most beautiful sweet pure righteous thing become the most disgusting wicked interesting how has the faithful city become a harlot it was full of judgment righteousness lodged in it but now murderers thy silver has become dross thy wine mixed with water thy princes are rebellious and companions of thieves everyone loves gifts and followeth after rewards they judge not the fatherless neither do the cause of the widow come unto them therefore they say the lord the lord of hosts the almighty one of israel ah i will cease me of mine adversaries and avenge me of mine enemies 
and I will turn my hand upon thee and purely purge away thy dross and take away thy ten. And I will restore thy judges as at the first and thy counselors as at the beginning. Afterward thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed with judgment and her converts with righteousness. Hold on. You know, as much as judgment is a, is a hard thing, it's actually a really good thing for some people. Some people learn their lesson. When you get a spanking, you learn real fast, huh? If you go up to the fire and you accidentally touch it and you get burnt, you learn what? Don't ever touch fire again. You learn. Uh-huh. Judgment is a good thing. And as much as it has the word as a negative annotation, it's 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 actually something wonderful, and something that we should seek after, to be judged and to be set right all the time. Um, you see, when a nation is judged, what ends up happening is repentance many times, like what happened with Israel. They get put into slavery. And they're there for years and they can't stand the slavery anymore. And so what do they do? Start crying out to God, huh? Lord, deliver us. And isn't it amazing even with our nation? Wasn't it, wasn't it classic when 9-11 happened? Wasn't that crazy? Planes crash into a building. 4,000 people die. And what happens? All of a sudden the nation is a big family and God bless America and all this stuff. And it's just like, huh? All of a sudden the churches are packed again. Everybody's focused on God. What's that about, huh? Wow. It's almost like God let more planes crash. Not literally. But you see what I'm saying? So that the nation would be turned to God. Look at China, for instance, a communist nation that is now turning to God. I don't remember the stat. Anybody know the stat on how many Christians are coming to faith in China each week? You know, some crazy amount. The people are turning to Christ faster than ever before. And I heard that China is actually praying for persecution for America. Interesting. What if we would get arrested for our faith? Wow. What if you're going to go to jail for doing this right here? What if you got caught with a Bible? You're going to be in big trouble. You can't have a Bible in China. Pastors go to prison all the time for it. Think about this. That would very quickly kick out all the weak Christians. People who are not serious about their walks. Huh? Is that what it's going to take? If judgment needs to come, then Father, bring judgment on this nation that their eyes might be open to the truth. If judgment needs to come, so that people's eyes will be open and come into salvation of you, then allow it to happen. Break families. Drop the bomb on this place. What needs to happen in order for us to wake up? As much as I see the family growing and a revelation, a revolution of young people rising up, I see a nation and a media growing stronger and stronger in sin. Isn't it sick what's going on? Isn't it incredible the things that are happening in our society? There is a singer, yes. Uh, who is this girl? I can't remember her name. Katie something. Yes. You know that she was walking with the Lord, I, I guess, supposedly, and that she was a Christian singer. She actually came and sang at Harvest before. Now she's talking about kissing girls and doing all this stuff, and I'm like, whoa! Now, 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 I'm not here to, to smash on her, okay? She needs Christ, and she needs to come back, and she needs to repent and turn towards Him, just like every single one of us needed to, and maybe there are some here who need to. But it's, it's crazy to see the radical change, even within Christianity. That is what I feel like the Christian nation is doing. We are slowly allowing things to creep in to the church. And if we do not break free of this, Break free of this. Break free of this. We will be in bondage. And there will come a day when people will look you in the face and say, are you Christian? You're going to have to figure out whether you're not real quick. 
You're going to go to prison. You're going to go to jail. You may die. It's, it's not a fun day. But I see our nation going that way very, very quickly. That's why I am determined to preach the gospel to as many young people as possible. To get the word out in people's hearts as much as possible. Because I want to see families raised up in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to see His name proclaimed. I'm looking to raise up a little army, man. I have like ten kids, man, just running around. There's going to be Jesus freaks. And they're going to have ten kids. I'm going to raise up a whole generation just of Thompsons, man. You better get ready. They're going to chase God with all their hearts. It is what I will purpose in my heart till the day that I die. I will pursue my kids. Because I want to see a generation changed forever. And it's not going to change until you get it in your mind. Do you know that with a group this big, very could well be that maybe in five years, and ten years, many of you could not be walking with God. What? Yeah, look around. It's sad. But I asked my boss at Mike Jonker when he was 20. He said there was a lot of guys around me. And he said this. He said, a lot of the friends that you see around you, they will not be consistent. Life will get in the way. They will get married. And they will lose sight of all the things that are important. God forbid. Not this group. Not this family. But we will rise up and change the whole face of our society in one generation. We can do it. It takes diligence and effort. True repentance from the heart. That's what God is getting at. He's seeing a nation that is completely rebelled and turned against Him. But He says, righteousness will come in this nation. It's going to take a good spanking, a good whipping, take Him in the back shed and go to town on Him a little bit. But God will deliver and God will pull through. Let's close it up. Huh? Three verses, four verses. And the destruction of the transgressor and of the sinner shall be together. They that forsake the Lord shall be consumed, for they shall be ashamed of the oaks which ye have desired, and ye shall be confounded for the gardens that you have chosen. For you shall be an oak whose leaf fades, and as a garden that has no water. And the strong shall be as tow, and the maker of it as a spark, and they shall both burn together and none shall quench them. Isaiah is warning the nation Israel. But I believe it is a word for us today. He is warning us. Okay, listen. If you so choose to turn from God, you will be that like a leaf that fades away. If you so choose to walk away from Father, you will be like a garden that has not been watered in years. You'll be dry. And maybe you even feel that way tonight and you're a Christian. God is calling out to you. God is saying, turn your heart towards me. I don't want your deeds. I don't want you reading the Bible. I don't want you praying five times a day. I don't want you going to church. I don't want all these little cool deeds that you think are going to make you a good Christian. I want your heart turned towards me. Complete dedication unto Father. Offering your life unto Him. Saying what Rob said earlier. Everything that I have is for God's glory. And I will live, eat, and breathe God for the rest of my entire life. That is what He is looking for. And when you are ready to turn your heart towards God like that, powerful things will start to happen in your life. And you will be like a garden that has been watered day in and day out for the rest of your life bringing forth fruit, bringing forth the most beautiful flowers, bringing forth everything you desire in your life. If we do not do something, a lot of things are going to change around here. And so as the prophet Isaiah said in that day, I will warn you 
I will warn you. The words right from this book. If we as a nation turn from God and continue to turn, if we do not tip this thing over, get ready. Get ready for judgment and whatever else to pour out upon this nation because God spanks His kids. He will discipline this nation. He will turn us over to slavery. I know it sounds crazy, but it's in the responsibility is in the hand of the Christian. Your hand. And so, Father, gosh, Lord, we, your people, recognize tonight what is happening to our nation. Uh, society turning from you, turning their face from you. They don't want to have anything to do rejecting you because they want to live a certain lifestyle. That is what it comes down to. And Father, we ask and we want right now, we Lord, want to repent on behalf of our nation. Please help us, God. Forgive us. Wipe away our sin, God, as we turn our heart completely towards You. Lord, I believe there's some here tonight whose hearts are not turned towards You, who have just been doing the Christian thing. And God, they want to engage. They need, they need the heart to be refreshed and set on fire for You. And I pray that, God, You would start revival in their hearts now. And that they would say, all that I am and all that I do would be for You and You alone, God. That they would cease to do evil. That their direction of doing evil in any sin that they've been walking in, that they would turn from it immediately. They would cease. They would repent. And they would walk in the ways of You. Help us, God. Let Your Spirit fall afresh on this place and move amongst these people to change their lives forever. Oh, Lord, have mercy now on me. Forgive me, O Lord, forgive me. And I will be free. Free indeed. Bless your people. Help this nation to stay focused on you. Do what is needed, Father. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sure, people have always been turned away from God. But do you recognize, I just want you to, rec- do, you, do you recognize as a family, do you recognize our nation actually turning from God? Can you see that with your own eyes? Do you know how dangerous that is? You've got to recognize it. And it takes prompt action within our own lives right now, today, tonight. Alright? You've got to move. What are you called to do? What is God calling you to? We need to get that figured out, huh? We've got a lot of work to do. Do you guys really believe, you know, like, do you really believe? Are you with me on that? Like, if we raised up our kids in the ways of the Lord, do you really think we could change, like, even just simply Riverside? Do you think we could do that? Can you see if we could simply minister this to the people around us and our friends, help them get their lives right for the sole purpose of seeing them raise their kids in the ways of the Lord, that we could literally we could do some real damage. I don't think it's going to be one man that rises up and leads this nation into Christ. I think it's going to be a lot of people saying, you know what, i gotta, I got to serve God and start raising my family that way. And a lot of you in here, the majority in you don't have families. You don't have kids yet. Or maybe you're starting a family, or maybe you're going to get married soon. Listen. Purpose in your heart now. Right now. If you need to do it right now tonight, then do it. Right, You just purpose in your heart right now. I beg and plead with you. 
if just a room like this, I don't know what is in here, 40 or 50 people or whatever, if just this room could do that, we could see mountains moved in the next generation. And if you don't, you'll be raising your kids in things that you wish wouldn't. And we will be working hard just to have our simple freedoms of reading our Bibles daily and praying. And so, it's just a warning, okay? I love you guys and I want the best for us. And I know the best is Jesus. It's our King. And so, Lord, be with you tonight. May God bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you this next week as you serve Him and walk with Him closely. Amen? Amen.